0: In a world where literature is dominated by dusty,
1: leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop. To approach the counter and utter those three magic words.
0: Make Make mine mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback. It's a podcast about comic books i'm graham not the golden but the silver age giles and joining me as always our master of marvel alex Shear. say something alex
2: say something alex
0: okay well not the whole thing just the something alex part we'll get it we'll fix it in post uh steven also joining us as our dc daddy I don't know. Do you like that better? You should. I started with DC Daddy and into Steven. Anyway, this is the behind the scenes look at uh, the Make My Paperback podcast uh, where I give uh, editing notes while we're talking during the show. Uh, if you don't like it, who cares? There's only
1: seven of you anyway.
2: <laughs> we, we love, love you, good. German guy.
1: Yep. <laughs> we... Welcome. Back. Or guy who's VPNing from Germany. That's right. Listen,
0: I'll take, take whatever we can VPN, get in, buddy. <laughs> welcome back to make mine paperback we continue our month of december our month of december theme alex will you sing it for us why i mean i That's guess i can it. you didn't say please
2: <laughs> but i guess i can you're gonna say please or am i just gonna do this i don't know okay <laughs> this, fine i'll do it whatever
0: this is a really bad radio <laughs>
2: I mean, I guess I can do it, I guess. Even though you're not going to say please, I'll do it to to appease our seven fans, including our one German guy. Silver Age, it's comic time in the city. Beautiful. Nailed it. A beautiful
0: job by a beautiful man. For those of you who haven't seen Alex, he has a 12-pack of beer sitting next to him. In my fridge. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this week, we're talking about the Silver Age again. It's December. It's my book on the theme. My book this week, we are talking about the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic the Fantastic Four, number one. Uh, this book, of course, written by the famous Stan Lee, drawn by the greatest of all time, Jack Kirby. I don't know what more to say about it than that. This is the issue that really started uh, what... On the Marvel side of the big two is known as the Marvel age of comics. It's the first appearance of Mr. Fantastic. The first appearance of the thing of the human torch, the invisible girl, Dr. Reed Richards takes his friends on a rocket trip that changes their lives forever. You know, the story, but we read it. So we'll tell it to you. But before we get to that,
1: Steven, what'd you read this week? I read the most recent issue of 8 billion genies. Um, Which, uh, I was going to ask you, Graham, so that one when the band goes to audition for the Fun City, are those judges supposed to be in person like other famous people? Because the one guy looked like Weird Al to me, and I thought that was really funny. Me
0: too. I I thought kind of the same thing. So I I think they're supposed to be kind of – I don't think they're supposed to be specific famous people, but I do think they're supposed to be like – approximations of famous people and the guy looks so much like weird out it's got to be a weird out guy
1: yeah i was hoping so like the
0: like the one guy is like vaguely bono yeah. but i don't think
1: it's actually is, supposed to be bono. ridiculous sunglasses <laughs> yeah 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 so that uh, another another good issue i think that issue or that that series is um yeah it's really well written um it, it keeps you interested and also is just i don't know it's fascinating to look about what you know, would actually be like if everybody in the world did get a genie. You know, I feel like it. <laughs> I feel like it's an like actually accurate, you know, premonition of what would happen. So, but overall, it's a great book and the artwork's great. I love the the colors they use. So um, I'm excited for the, I think it's going to be the conclusion is the, that's what we're looking for here. The next issue. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I read that and then I read some, I read a few Silver Age comics, uh, mostly from, uh, like DC, like the things that predated, you know, the, the characters we know now. So it would be like the, the bold and the brave and which was the intro to the justice league. So I read a little bit of that trying to figure out what, uh, issue we're going to read. So I did a lot of silver age, a little, a lot of silver age in the city for me.
0: You might seem say you, uh, you surfed it. You did a little silver surfing.
1: <laughs> I did. I did ride the waves, <laughs> the airwaves. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that that was uh that was my reading. What about you, Alex? Speaking
0: of riding the waves, Alex, where did the waves take you this week?
2: Uh, they blew me away, like the airwaves. Alex did.
0: is not a meteorologist. Just just to be clear, Alex <laughs> is not a meteorologist. <laughs> the
1: Waves blew me away.
2: <laughs> they did. They did. They were beautiful, and I was just blown away by their beauty. Yeah. See, it can work. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs>
0: So, so, uh, what precisely blew you away, Alex?
2: The waves. Duh.
0: <laughs> Tell me about the comic books you read this week, Alex. <laughs>
2: I've read a uh, lady, lady Deadpool. Um, which is, which is, uh, yeah, obviously everybody loves Deadpool or is at least familiar with Deadpool to some degree. And they're like, ah, eh, we tolerate tolerate that beautiful bastard named Ryan Reynolds who, uh, portrays him. Um, but I, I read Lady Deadpool, and it was kind of interesting, very much you know, very similar to, of course, Wade Wilson, and she, I mean, she she's just excellent. You know, her name's Wanda. She just, I mean, she's brilliant. She's sassy. She's she's literally the, the very female personification of Wade Wilson's character, and it's it's just excellent. Um, and I, and I read just the one shot. I didn't read like any full collections or anything, but a one shot that came out back in 2014, 15, something like that. Um, and I mean, she just loves, loves binge eating. She loves watching TV. Like she's just very much a, a little bit of a recluse until she has to be. And then she goes out and just kicks ass. And so, yeah, it's, it was pretty good. And I'm kind of interested to read a little bit more lady Deadpool now. So, yeah there's uh, some good stuff um she uh, the yeah i mean the issue that 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 i read um is that she was uh dealing with a guy named general america and um there was just a whole bunch of like sitcom writers involved um you know there's, sitcom there's writers bunch...
0: involved in they were they were actually characters in the story or they wrote the book
2: yes <laughs> A little <laughs> bit of both, um, really. Um you, you know how Deadpool's always breaking the fourth wall. Uh right. she's very much very much does that. Uh the writer for this one was um let me pull it up really quick. Uh Mary uh Choi, uh Inks, Tom Townsend, Andrew Hennessy, Letters, Jeffrey Eckleberry. But it was mostly it was mostly that um that they were just kind of involved and in, The city is just absolute chaos general america looks like general ross who um who we all know from the different marvel movies and you know from the hulk stuff so i mean just overall very very excellent captain america makes an appearance in here um it's just it was very very brilliantly done and and it was fun it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't tacky it was a lot of fun and Again, you know, the female version of of our guy, Wade Wilson, but uh, female personified. So I enjoyed it, and I recommend you guys check it out as well. Sounds like fun. What did you read this week, Graham?
0: This week I read several backs of several shampoo bottles, um, nice. and I have to tell you, um, someone's going to need to explain to me what glutamate is. Um, but that being said, the, <laughs> the only comic book – I uh, really read this week was the, uh, Kal El Returns um, special that came out. It had a few short stories in it by a few of our favorite comic book writers and uh, and artists, and uh, just a, just a fun book. Um, you know, one of those specials that's like twice as long as a normal book and three times as expensive, and um, you know, just a, a real cash grab for DC. But the stories in the book were <laughs> were pretty good. And um yeah, we get to see Kalel return and he have a have a kind of a moment with Batman. We get to see him have a moment with the with the Justice League um meeting a, a new league member who he hadn't met because he was off world. We get to see him have a, a moment with uh with Lois, uh, and then have a moment with his son. And so uh just just above all, just a, a really really kind of fun book and uh, kind of a, a welcome back Superman. So there that's all I got to read this week.
2: Yeah. I, I unfortunately personally didn't have much time this week with, you know, with how crazy my weekend was. So I'm, uh, hopefully this next week I'll get to read a little bit more on my flights. So
1: that's exciting. I you do your homework. That's exciting. Podcast takes work
2: and dedication. Yeah. It does. Yeah, a podcast
0: takes work and dedication, Alex. Yeah. And, and, and be- water and, and sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> Plans. I'm blown away. <laughs> I'm
2: blown away at your dedication.
0: Yeah, are you blown away by how bad my jokes are this week? Because I certainly no, that
2: that's pretty standard. <laughs> I'm not blown away by that anymore.
0: That's right. Speaking I just kind to jokes, expect it. Speaking of bad jokes dragging us down, let's get drugged down into this week's issue. We're Wait, we're not doing
2: drugs. We're talking comics. What are you doing?
0: Goodness, I got to get better co-hosts. Um, not you, Steven, <laughs> You're perfect in every way. <laughs>
2: Well, that's just really
0: perfect in every way. The Fantastic 4 number 1 is not perfect in every way, but it's pretty good. Silver Age issue, Stan Lee kind of at the height of his powers, uh Jack Kirby killing it as always. Cool cover here. Kind of a mix between the uh the 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 horror comics that came in the Golden Age and the the superheroes that really step up their campiness in the Silver. And the uh, story in general just a lot of fun. There's definitely this is definitely a book for kids, right? We read it. It's a book for kids. Not a lot of not a lot of adult themes going on here, but some hints at at deeper issues. And uh and overall a book that started what's known as the Marvel Age. So what did we think? Just general
1: thoughts, guys.
2: Listen, Mr. Fantastic is not the word I would use for it.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you going to <laughs> expand upon that, or do you, do you want me to take over? Don't expand, yeah. Alex. No more words. No more,
2: no no more words. Alex, I'm just gonna Alex I'm just gonna, gonna leave good it good there. Word, to let you guys
1: word limit. So I'll say, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was, uh, it was. I mean, it's it's about what you would expect for a comic book. Uh, I mean, it it did very mm-hmm. much feel like it was meant for kids, but um I thought the the artwork was definitely a a highlight of this particular issue. And and I think they really um you know I think this this it, it did a good job of like you know trying to do the difficult task of introducing a team of superheroes to make people interested about them. You know, I think uh I think um for the most part just been a lot of these issues we've been reading have just focused on a single character. So I think to focus on a team, I thought that was pretty cool. Um I mean there's definitely some some neat parts about this. I liked uh you know the introduction of like a what seems to be like the archetype supervillain or villain, but we'll get to that later. So I mean there's some highlights but There's definitely some weak points, too, but I feel like a lot of the weak points were a result of the comic code authority, which, you know, we've talked about before and I'm sure we'll talk about again. But overall, yes, I thought the issue was fine. Would be my would be my rating. It's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, overall, yes, I I agree. It was very I mean, it was it was a good issue. It was it was different than what we saw, obviously, with the Golden Age. I feel like there was a little bit more depth to it. Um and a little bit more cohesion within the actual story, which I think is important. Um, I mean, you know, I, I was making a joke on the the mist. Hey, Mr. Fantastic is not the word I would use for it. And you guys like completely oh. missed what I was doing.
0: No, we got it. That's why I told you not to say any more words.
2: No, that's all right. Well, then I'm going to mute myself and let you guys talk no, for the not, last.
0: Just just in that moment, Alex, talk more now. <laughs>
2: So the uh but I mean, you know, overall, like the the issue had a little bit more cohesion. I feel like that being said. The story kind of went from zero to 100, like really <laughs> back to zero. Did
0: you notice that? It goes, yeah, yeah. It goes zoom, zoom, well, zoom, 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 <laughs> back and forth,
2: but it also but it all, but it, all it, it stayed in track with itself. It didn't you didn't wonder like, well, how do we get here? You're just like, oh, we're just we're we're here. But then we came right. back like it, it it didn't feel like there was anything missing on how you arrived to a certain area.
0: Well, it's like the I you know, when I played in a rock band in high school, um, the uh, the big thing about guitarists is that when you're in high school, you think the key to your guitar is louder, louder mm-hmm. and more distortion is the key. And so what a lot of those guys do is in order to stand out in the mix um you scoop the mids so you you take you take your bass your bass has got to be high right because that's how you get that's how you get loud um and then your treble's got to be high because you got to cut through the mix that people can hear you um but then you scoop the mids to make your guitar sound more dynamic (laughs) dynamic who says that (laughs) (laughs) make your guitar sound more dynamic and um Everybody thinks, oh, I'm so unique. I'm turning up the bass and the treble and I'm turning down the mids. But then you sound like everybody trying to sound unique. Uh, that's uh, that's what this issue felt like to me is is Stanley's writing feels like we get a lot of bass and a lot of treble and nothing in the middle. Uh, right. And it's, uh, it's a little bit breakneck that way.
1: Well, that's kind of what I've noticed. I've read ai I mean, I'm by no means a Silver Age expert, but pretty much what I read in the, my Silver Age readings is – pretty much what you just described like every issue is it's like let's focus on the you know the mission the action as much as possible because the conclusion is always like a page <laughs> it's like it's like and then they resolve the issue yeah. and everybody's happy in one page but like the action takes up pretty much the whole space so it's just, yeah. this is like a trademark of well, silver it, age it,
0: we get a lot of action and a lot of exposition mm-hmm. we just don't get a lot of those like Quiet character building. Moments. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, no,
0: which which we're going to talk about later. But I I think I think you're right. I think it's a characteristic of the Silver Age. You mentioned something that I Stephen. You mentioned something that that I wanted to catch before we we just blow right past it. This is the introduction of a superhero team, mm-hmm. right? It's it's mm-hmm. not an introduction of an individual hero. And I think a lot of times when, when we introduce teams, the individual heroes have already had their chance, mm-hmm. right? Like like Avengers, all of those guys had already had books or appearances elsewhere before we got the avengers book and and you know the justice society of america had you know members elsewhere we had you know the justice league had their members out there before we we saw those books so this time we're we're actually introducing the team as brand new characters before any of these characters gets any sort of individual spotlight um and really the fantastic four is one of these groups that doesn't end up with a lot of individual stuff we don't see a lot of just the mr fantastic um there is a great comic recent comic um that centers on the thing um so some of these guys do get some of their own individual stuff but uh fantastic four mostly just a team book and we kind of start that way so there's definitely some challenges with introducing a team all at once and also trying to sell a story that'll get a kid to pick up the next book but but what do you think about introducing your superhero team as a team first before you give any of these guys a chance to shine individually?
2: So I wanted to tag on that a little bit. You talked about how the, how they get their Some of them kind of get their individual chances later. I think that this works well, but I think that's what also kind of contributes from the zero to a hundred to zero throughout this book. I think that, because there's a there's I don't want to say there's a formula um or if there was it's i don't know whatever but the, the the kind of what we got initially was something happens to our to our hero to turn them into the hero whatever it is something bad happens the hero's like oh i got to figure out how to use these powers and then immediately oh i'm an expert in how to use these powers whereas this it's very it goes a lot slower with that. I felt like, or at least with, with Sue storm, that's how I felt it. It felt much more like, Oh man, you know, I have this invisibility now, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, then it's a lot of introducing powers for these people. Like they did Johnny blaze, Johnny, what's happening to you? You know, you know, where, where's that coming from? And, you know, then the thing of course, doing his, doing his stuff. And so I feel like there's a lot, more of the taking time to kind of showcase everybody kind of getting their power. Um, But, uh, but I do feel that it works as an introductory because I didn't feel like it was necessarily rushed in the sense of how we met the characters. Sure. It's only what 24, 25 pages long, but I didn't feel rushed in meeting the characters. And I feel like sometimes with other comics for solo issues, we're very rushed. And I think that's, And yes, I'm going to criticize Marvel Studios for their movies. When we get those solo adventures, I feel like it's very cookie cutter. Here's the hero. Here's them getting their powers, discovering how it works. Here's the bad guy. And all of a sudden, they're like, OP with their powers. And it's just very boom, 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 every single time. And that I mean, so obviously, that's a winning formula. It's what made them billions of dollars doing so. But I feel like it gets stale. Whereas introducing the ensemble as a collective ensemble to me didn't feel stale because now and this could be in part because we already have a little bit of knowledge history on these characters. We understand who they are. So it w- it felt more like we were just, oh, yeah, so we know this team. Here's who they are.
1: Well,
2: I, I don't, don't feel at the time it would have felt rushed.
0: Yeah, well, and I don't know about you, but at least for me coming into this book, especially having witnessed the the Superman book that we talked about last month. The um, I came in kind of expecting these characters to be different than the modern version that I know. So mm-hmm. I came in wanting to be introduced to who are these characters and how do they work here at the, at the very beginning. And I, I think you're right. I think the book did did a good enough job that I I knew what was going on. I knew kind of these are how their powers work. I knew, I had some idea of what the what the strengths and weaknesses of this team were, and uh, and and we got we got a little bit of an origin story. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like, and, and, you're, and you're right, there is a little bit of I know kind of who these characters are, but even coming in with this idea that the characters were going to be different than the ones that I knew, I still felt I walked out of the issue knowing what the Silver Age Fantastic Four was all about. And mm-hmm. if that's the goal of the introductory book, kudos.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean, you guys, you guys covered the topic pretty well, but, um, you know, in terms of introducing a team. To, to start off, I think um, I think that's a tough gamble. I think more often than not, it just doesn't work. But I think in this case it does work. I mean I think of all the other team up comics that I know and it's like they build up to it. And and a lot of times like when a movie will try to just like introduce a, a team all at once, that, that's usually also a failure. So so I think it was it was ambitious to try to introduce a team but somehow yeah I mean as you guys already said I mean it was very clear what was going on and and it was actually that's a good point Graham too some of the char- characters pretty much being exactly like we know now, you know, 60 years later, whatever it's been, 70 years, that's pretty remarkable. So I think um, I think this is just a atypical example of a team working out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's how it normally goes, but, um, you know, I liked it in this case. I thought uh, Stanley did a really good job of not rushing the story, but also not taking too long. Like, I thought the pacing was good. Especially for team up issues, so yeah, I think he did a good job with a traditionally (laughs) tricky topic.
2: Something else that I think is important um, that that we should keep in mind: Marvel and DC very much went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with copying and you know taking things from each other. This the Fantastic Four was the direct answer to the Justice League. The Justice League came out, I believe in. 59 or 60 oh i i i would i would dollars the donuts i'd bet that um me, that this was a direct answer
1: to me like the 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 fantastic four to me is like the beginning of all the superhero like to me like fantastic four is the first example of a common trope that happens in comic books now where it's like a team of like characters who are like, either mutants or not traditional heroes like they're not they're not what you call a hero freaks and mutants you know like because then the x Men came later and like doom patrol and um
2: well i mean the the fantastic four is very i mean it's it's labeled as kind of that that quote unquote it's maybe a dysfunctional mm -hmm. group friend group or family or yeah um so i but i but i think that this this was a direct competitor to justice league and and if I remember, the original Justice League, we had a lot of those characters kind of initially established already, didn't we? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, like... Uh, like Batman, Superman. Batman, so Superman, they, and
1: Wonder Woman had all been characters for a good while. Yes.
2: Yeah. So Marvel kind of, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Marvel kind of pushed this out as a, hey, we're going to introduce a team, but also brand new characters to get people invested in them. And that, you talk about it being a gamble, and I think it was a huge gamble. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I think that this was... This was a quote unquote rush job to to compete with something new that DC kind of threw out there.
0: Well, so so what happens is we, we have DC introduces the Justice Society of America actually back in the Golden Age. Um, it appears in, uh, in in like 1940 and 1941. Um, and the Justice Society of America is the direct descendant of the Justice League. Um, so Justice Society of America, Decent numbers, but but really it's used as a vehicle to introduce new characters. So like what they do with it is they have uh, kind of the, what became the formula for team ups is that they have a lot of mediocre characters who aren't selling that well. So they bring all the mediocre characters together in a team in order to attract all of their fans to a single book. And then they use that book to introduce new characters who they, who can then go on and have solo books if, if they're successful. Um, it's kind of the whole point. And the Justice Society of America, that book, it's fine. It, it, it's kind of kind of considered okay. It's a cool idea for a team up. It's a great way to sell books, and story wise, it's just okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that, that that kind of fizzles out. Um. By the time we get to the uh, the Silver Age, but DC runs into similar issues in the Silver Age that they ran into in the in you know twenty years earlier in the Golden Age, and they say, well. Sounds like it's time for a team up, and they bring our Justice League. Don't want to talk too much about that because I think we're going to talk about that soon. Um, but the um, we talk about the Justice League's for its appearance. I think is nineteen sixty, which then means that this is a year later. Uh, timeline works out for me. I, I do. I think this is probably an answer to the Justice League. This is. I think this is Marvel kind of finally coming around to the idea that a team up might be good because we see this book come out and then it's like
1: two years later that we first see the avengers mm-hmm. yeah the avengers came out in 63 when did this this one came out oh in 1961
2: yeah okay. and i think dc's uh their uh justice league came out in what 59 60
1: yeah and i think i'm at this point just nitpicking them the differences between like the justice league and the fantastic four so probably you guys are probably right in that it's just a team of people because I think the Justice League was probably four people too. I mean, it was probably Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and um, Superman or whatever. But anyway, that would make sense if you're just thinking about team ups in general. I guess it could, I could definitely see as an answer to Justice League. I just think I'm nitpicking the differences between the dysfunctional family dynamic and the, you know, like the ultra upstanding traditional superheroes doing good.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that's. Really, that's what Stan Lee is, is he, he takes he takes, you know, superheroes and he says, Here's the Fantastic Four, which is this team of superheroes. It's and really it's it's in direct response to the Justice League saying, Here's a team of superheroes that we have, four people who you don't know. You've never met these guys. So what's gonna sell you on them is not what if we put Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman and, and, and the Flash and the and the Green Lantern and the you know, whatever, all in one room and, and just had them defeat all kinds of crazy evil what's going to sell it to you is that dynamic between these people it's the fact that you don't know these characters and the way you're going to learn about them is through the eyes of themselves through, through the eyes of the people on the team which is interesting it's an interesting move and then he also says this team isn't perfect they have fights mm-hmm. they don't get along they you know, there's all kinds of stuff here they don't always love their powers that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to hear Grant Morrison talk about Doom Patrol, and he talks about the, the fact that he fell in love with, sorry, they fell in love with uh, Doom Patrol back in the 60s because of this idea that Doom Patrol was one of the first groups that that didn't love their powers, that, that wished they were normal. The Fantastic Four doesn't quite have all of that, but it has some of that. And then the reason we talk about Spider-Man as revolutionary is because of that. We took a kid it's not an adult we took a kid we gave him powers and we said and he's going to struggle with that he's going to struggle with the idea that i just want to be a normal teenager but now i have all this power and what do i do with it i want to use it like a teenager would use it i want to drive my car too fast i want to get into you know all the kind of stuff that uh, all those you know leather wearing jerks in Greece got into and uh, yeah. That's that's childhood to me. That's when I think back to my childhood in the 90s, I think Greece, about yeah. uh, that. Yeah, it was all grease all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I wanted to point. I, I just I did a little bit of quick, quick looking because um, I was curious. According to volk.com dot com, um, they did a Fantastic Four in the MCU. What you should know first from the comics. Uh, just did a little bit of scrolling uh, origin of the Fantastic Four team. Fantastic Four were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in 61 and were supposed to be the answer to DC's Justice League, said so they were created as a superhero team. So th- it seems to be well documented that that was, the, that was the goal. They were trying to compete with DC on that front. So I think that's that's been documented and it's been I guess proven. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but that's, that is something I think is really interesting that they wanted to I mean, it makes sense. Well, I, obviously, that's, the Justice that's League was a gamble.
0: Stan, that was my point. Is that what? That's what makes Stanley so great. Is that the Justice League? I, you say you say it was a gamble, but I don't know that it was a gamble. The Justice League was let's take a bunch of our characters who we love, who we know have diehard fans, and let's put them all together and collect all of those diehard fans on one book. Well, no, that, that doesn't sound like a that's gamble. Not a me.
1: gamble. I mean, starting that's, out with a, a team of people who may or may not, you know, because. When you start with a team of characters, each character is going to get, you know, roughly one quarter of the time they would normally get. So, like, typically it's, just, it's hard to make people, like, care four characters at once. But, no, I think if you go the other way, I think that's a surefire way. I mean, that's that, the Avengers movies prove that. Yeah, like, a, if, you take, <laughs> if you take something That's what yeah. I'm
0: saying is that the, the Justice League doesn't feel like a gamble. But Stan Lee here, you know, he, he sees the Justice League. He sees it doing well. And he says, how do we one-up them? And I'm sure everybody at Marvel at the time said, well, let's throw together all of our most powerful characters into one book, our most popular powerful characters onto one team, and we'll sell that book. And Stan Lee said, let's introduce brand new characters who aren't the most powerful characters in Marvel, who don't have powers that are super easy to understand, that don't always love their powers, that have an interesting dynamic where they are a family, but they're certainly dysfunctional. And let's put them on a book and It'll sell great for years, and uh, that's the genius of Stan Lee. That's what that's that's what I mean when when I talk about these these Silver Age books. There is some stuff that that's campy, right? And there is some stuff that's that's just you know <laughs> made for TV, moralistic uh, kind of nonsense. But there is some of these decisions when you have to work inside a box, you got to get really creative. And, and Stan Lee, this this is revolutionary to us now, saying superheroes struggling with their powers doesn't mean anything but Stanley putting out these books revolutionary Uh, Mm -hmm. and I I think we see that here.
2: No that's fair that's fair and I I think kind of going on the Stanley thing right you everybody kind of calls him the godfather of comic books right you know godfather or the or the father of the modern comic book you know what there's there's a multitude of things
0: they they call him that because whenever his daughter got married you could just ask him for a favor that was that's why
2: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) get out of here um but but i think part of that that being revolutionary i think part of the whole idea of creating these worlds and creating these characters is stan lee was really good about connecting with people where they were at um Mm -hmm again you you briefly mentioned spider-man and i think that the reason that spider-man resonated so well with 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 kids and high schoolers specifically peter parker wasn't an adult who just got these random superpowers no he was a high school kid dealing with high school kid problems on top of being bit by a radioactive spider so now he's got to deal with you know being being a superhero and, and I think that that was one of the things that Stan Lee does so well is he recognizes people where they are at. Same with the X-Men comics. You know, it's documented that those were those were not created in parallel, parallel to the civil rights movement, but it's partly represented, you know, the, the mutants were, were this people who were discriminated against. And he was trying to show, hey, look, they're, they're just people who are just a little bit different. Um, and and so I I think Stan Lee's always been excellent, you know, and and his team at Marvel, especially early on, has been always been excellent about making it again meeting people where they're at and helping people to identify with something.
0: Yeah, I I I mean I, I agree with all that. I think that's that's the the big thing here with Stan Lee, and it's a lesson that it seems like we relearn it every generation. Like every generation seems to think what kids want in their media, right? Cause again, comic books at the time for kids, almost exclusively for kids. So we say what kids want in their media is aspirational. They, they want to see big, strong heroes. They want to, they want to see people doing stuff the best they can. They, they want to see people that they can look up to. And it takes somebody to come in and say, but, but kids have problems too, right? Like kids, kids are not just looking for the uh, the superheroes. They're not just looking for the people who right. can conquer all evil and and do stuff. Kids have their own problems and their own insecurities, and and to bring that stuff into children's media is important because it acknowledges that that kids are are people, and, and the, just like you're saying, superheroes are people. Kids are people. Like like we all have complex lives, and I think it's brilliant the way we see stanley bring that complexity into a book and still work within those comics code authority guidelines because it's mm-hmm. easy to bring complexity in when we can talk about darkness right we, we talk about the uh, the dark age happening in the 90s when uh, you know following the the stuff in the late 80s with the with the the dark knight returns and the and the killing mm-hmm. joke and and watchmen and all that stuff we hey, talk you about mentioned in the 90s. killing joke <laughs> In the '90s, we move into this this dark ages that that's all about the darkness, and and darkness is an easy way to add complexity to a book. Uh, Stan working within the comics code authority and also adding these complexities and these insecurities, yeah. I, I just I, I'm in awe of it. Even though, right, the first thing we said when we read this book was, eh, it's okay, <laughs> and I, I think that's that's kind of the thing. As we come in and we, you can recognize. How good this is, and also recognize that it's not that good.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: So, so square that circle for me, Stephen.
1: <laughs> square that circle. I'm, well, I, I researched what that means. I'll just tell you that yeah, I do have a tremendous respect for Stanley as well for um not doing what other people were doing before him and kind of blazing a new trail. I mean, I, I think you know he's there there is a million you know hundreds of writers for maybe not hundreds, maybe dozens of writers for Marvel at the time. But the reason he like kind of gained that elevated status is because he was able to like almost influence pop culture instead of you know just like writing comics to be popular he was like writing comics that in you know had such a tremendous influence on the way people you know acted and thought I, th- I think that's pretty incredible and then I think he does it through relating to people like you said and um yeah I mean it's it's refreshing to see the comics get like a human element to it because you know kind of It does i mean it's like it's still a fun colorful way to let kids know that you know life's not always you know easy so it kind of sets kids up for adversity and and dealing with these troubles so i think yeah you have to have tremendous respect for stanley for being you know the pioneer of that where there was no blueprint before he was able to you know design a path
2: sure no i think that's fair yeah
1: and that's and that's what we're seeing here in this uh this comic book is um like we said before he could have taken existing Marvel uh characters but instead um <clears throat> chose to write four new ones you know just because he wanted to have ones you know that weren't perfect so I think uh you know it takes a lot of guts to do that
0: so moving from the great Stanley to the in my opinion even greater Jack Kirby um what do you think about this kirby art so we know that that Kirby's big claim to fame is 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 the way he captured motion in this area in this area in this era uh not many artists did a great job of, of capturing the the action of comics um uh, because inherently comic books are a static medium you're, you're not going you're not going to see the pictures move but somehow when we when we read stuff drawn by kirby we do see that movement we feel that movement um what what do you think about kirby's art here does it does it capture that movements do. Do we agree with the with the kind of kind of expert assessment that says that
2: Kirby's great at capturing movement? And and what do we think about the art in general? So I do. I I, I think that looking at the art in general and just kind of recognizing the talent that is Jack Kirby, right? I think I I think it, it goes. I feel like a lot of these pictures, you take away one detail on it. It doesn't capture it. I, you know, like and, and I'm going to reference something here really quick on page in the actual comic page seven um, where Johnny blaze is going around and he's melting these jets. Right. And, and they, f- and you see, you see the melting happening on these jets, but you all, you see the little detail where it's like showing the wings where they're starting to melt. But then you go a little bit further down and you see this missile and you see, obviously you see the the wind tail off of it, but you see the little lines around it. And this is the last panel of that page. You see the little lines around it that show that it's kind of breaking through the air and, and moving, you know, as a missile would. And so it's those little details that I think he's so excellent about showcasing, showcasing that movement and and you see this all throughout the all throughout the comic um and moving to the next couple pages you see the guy falling and you know reed richard's catching catching the guy falling but you know by stretching out you see you see these wind panels you see nothing feels dull with how he's how he's drawn it how he's created it to to reflect the the actual movement and i think I think he does that really, really well. And again, you take away one small detail of that, and it's far more static than it is dynamic.
0: Well, I, I like the page you picked out, Alex. If, if we go back to that that page seven, the um, you talk about so th- there's some really cool stuff here. Like like the, the plane with the wings melting, we see kind of the the molten metal dripping off of it. That, that's a that's a really cool um, piece of art, and it certainly has a lot of motion to it even the way the static panels at the bottom, we, we see the missile and it, it's pretty static in that that mm-hmm. bottom left where, where you seem kind of look over his shoulder and he sees the missile and then we see the missile get closer, but there is still motion between those panels. The implied motion mm-hmm. um, yeah. is there. And then you're right. The, 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 you know, the m- movement lines, the motion lines on the, in that last panel really sell it for me. But really here, I think where we see Kirby's mastery is in none of that. It's It's none of the aerial battles here. It's the very first panel top left of that page, right? We're like, so we see these guys here. I, I want to look at, over, over our main guy's shoulder in that panel into the doorway. So you see the guy standing in the mm-hmm. doorway there. That's yeah. static. That That's that's so much of what comic books were at this time. What was that guy standing back there like that? But look at our speakers, both of them, neither of them standing shoulder, you know, <laughs> shoulders apart and their, their arms down at their sides and speaking. No, we see this guy, and even though there's no motion lines here, what's going on? We can see exactly what's going on. His hand is still on the on the doorknob. He's come into the room. He's burst into the room. We can see exactly what's going on just by the pose that Kirby's put this guy in. He's pointing at his radio operator. He says, get on the, get on the phone. Get Make a call immediately. We see our radio, radio operator plugging in, trying to get to that switchboard the way it goes. We see him, the panicked look on his face as he grabs the phone, and he tries to plug it in. There's so much urgency in this panel that we feel the motion, even though it's not there, right? Like, like we're looking at this. We're not looking at a GIF here. These are guys sitting still in a comic panel, and you know, not correcting your pronunciation, but just, but just really sitting still in a comic panel and selling to us the story. And I think. You know, bravo to them for not correcting your pronunciation well, while you're talking. But but also, technically,
1: bravo it is to GIF, So I can't pronounce it. It is actually pronounced jiff, not gif. <laughs> nope, you're both wrong. So, so I can't say anything with that. But um, I can't
2: trust anybody who doesn't pick killing joke to advance in a bracket to know that it's pronounced gif and not jiff so, but it's okay so you, just, you can carry on with about
1: the killing joke and unfortunately it is pronounced jiff but <laughs> what i wanted to point you you, you, you can point. both
2: be wrong on both things and that's fine <laughs> but we'll uh we'll continue with your comic book
1: is that like the, the point i wanted to make was uh um was that these two guys stanley and um was it jack kirby yeah jack kirby, jack kirby yeah. um remind me of like fiona staples and brian k vaughn where it's like the I'm sure the artwork influenced what Stan Lee had to say as well, because I'm sure that, uh, you know, Stan Lee or that Jack Kirby was like, man, I really want to draw this like flaming flying guy. And then that probably influenced Stan Lee to like, okay, well I can write a cool backstory for him or something. But to me, it just kind of seems like uh, the art influenced the story and the story obviously influenced the art, but the uh, relationship between the two just made me think of, of saga and why that one works so well. Yeah,
0: I agree. I, I think the partnership here, uh we, we see the partnership here, uh and we see the Stanley Jack Kirby partnership all over the place, uh, especially in 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 Marvel comics throughout. And um the uh it, it is. It's something to behold. Uh these guys, I think they're at their best in uh in Fantastic Four, really. Um but uh but they're they're great all over the Marvel comics, especially in the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I I just Jack Kirby's a master. He's a master. I mean, it's it. it well, for, to me, that's Jack Kirby writes, co- or not writes, but but you know creates comic books, uh, in the way that makes them comic books, right? Rather than just a story with illustrations. That's the difference. Is that this is not a children's picture book. This is truly a comic book, and uh, and Jack Kirby is a master of the craft. Yeah. Like a well, and something like I kind of wanted to point out. out.
2: Yeah, well, well, exactly. You know, and you you talk about Jack Kirby. Um, I mean, really, you look at a lot of those earlier guys: Jack Kirby, Joe Simon, Steve Ditko, um, Stan Lee. I mean, kind of in their own right. I mean, that was the that was. I'm just going to say it: the Fantastic Four, right? You know, of of comic <laughs> writing, of comic artistry, um, because because how many how many big artists came out of DC early on? I mean, there were some great guys. Don't get me wrong, but the ones that you think of historically, you think of Jack Kirby, you think of Stan Lee, you think of Joe Simon. The, I mean, Steve Ditko. You you think of those guys first when somebody says who created comic books? They're they're going to be wrong and say Stan Lee, but their mind immediately jumps to Stan Lee, and there's a reason for that.
0: No arguments here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Stanley is a classic name associated with comic books, so mm-hmm. you're into, you're into his title.
0: So, obviously, a star-studded issue, um, not just on the back end, but but actually on the pages. We, we get four of these heroes who, you know, as a team, become one of the greatest you know, superhero books of all time. Just... Just straight up childish question: Could my dad beat your dad in a fight? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah.
2: If my if your dad was uh, Reed Richards, probably.
0: Yeah. Um. But on the topic of childish questions, who's your favorite character here? We, we, we've got We got our four um, fantastic individuals, if you will, and uh, all of them with superpowers. None of them with the uh, with the excellent powers of Superman. Uh, I can tell you. Who my favorite character was as a kid is not the same favorite character that I have now. Mm. but who's your favorite character in this and then if it's if it's different, who's your favorite character knowing what you do about the modern fantastic four?
1: so uh, so for, I feel like a lot of kids when they were reading this picked Johnny. What uh, Johnny Blaze? I feel like I feel like that was yeah. a lot of kids' favorites, but I don't know who how anybody could pick Reed Richards. Guys, he's really he kind of sucks in this one. Like he he like makes them all go fly up and then like explode, I and mean, he's like mad at them for like not using their powers correctly or, or something. He gets mad at them almost for being late after he almost kills them. So it's like he forces them onto this plane, gets them all blown up, and then's mad at them later. So Reed kind of sucks. um but I'd I'd have to go with the thing just because he's I feel bad for him and I just have a penchant for <laughs> for that thing. But yeah, I would have to go with Ben Grimm.
2: So I'm gonna go Johnny Blaze. I John, I'm gonna go Johnny Blaze where, or Sue Storm. Where,
1: where are you guys getting this Johnny Blaze? <laughs>
2: I mean he's not Johnny Blaze in here but I'm just I, so used I, to calling him I, I got it from Alex I had Johnny no idea Blaze what
1: his actual last name is it isn't it Johnny uh, he's, he's 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 Johnny Storm oh, yeah, he's Sue yeah, Storm's yeah. brother
2: but I just I yeah. yeah I mean I as a kid but I you know I, you knew him as Johnny Blaze like or that you know that's what I grew up calling him but anyway so anyway so I liked I liked well I like Sue Storm as well frankly because invisibility, as a kid, what is one power every kid wants? I want to be invisible so I can go, you know, get candy from the store. You know, whatever whatever it is. It's it's stupid <laughs> stuff.
1: I want to get involved. Right? Every candy, kid but... thinks
2: invisibility is ah. super cool. And, and I mean, yeah, like, this is a super, it's a, it's a badass power. You know, being invisible, go fight crime, beat up bad guys. They don't know where the next attack is coming from. That's cool. And so I, I don't know, I, I really like Sue in this one. And for me, I really like that her discovering her powers and kind of figuring it out didn't happen in three panels. It happened over the course of several pages. And that was part of that where I didn't feel they rushed it. Um, or, you know, where she's figuring out what's going on. Oh, I really am invisible, things like that. So I just for me, I, I really liked her setup and what they did with her.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a uh... I I really don't think there's any wrong answer here. I agree, Stephen. I think reading this book, you come off with the impression that Reed Richards is incredibly pretentious. Mm. He's just like this guy who... So one, (laughs) Alex, you mentioned earlier, we see these people struggling with their powers, but we never really see Reed struggle with his powers. He just right away, he's like, I'm going to make my arm into a lasso. (laughs) Um, And you're like, okay, I guess, man. Um, uh, I don't love that you're not struggling. And I, and I think he's definitely written to be the leader of this team. So he, he's, you know, first, he's the the leader of the scientific team. And he's talking about how, you know, we're going to we're going to go into this rocket and it's OK that we're stealing it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But I, mean, I work here, don't I? And you're like, yeah, but read. That's not how it works. I'm just going to take a rocket to space. <laughs> and the uh, and then yeah, we never really see him struggle with his powers. You're right. He is. He is especially critical of the team and he's especially critical of the team when they're mad at him and then they're like I can't believe you did this to us you didn't pay attention especially Ben Grimm you didn't pay attention to what I said my warnings and now look at us look at look at how all of us are and of course you're not upset about this you can look normal not all of us had that opportunity and so with all of this he's constantly like well you need to get over yourself (laughs)
1: like you need
0: to get over yourself man (laughs) you're so yeah i think reed richards is immediately out but i'm with you Stephen. ben grimm is where it is he's is a super complex character he understands that he needs to do things so like he doesn't want to go to space he does he believes that the cosmic rays are too dangerous he doesn't want to go to space but he sees that that this team needs him and he does believe in reed d- despite the fact that he also you know, harbors a little bit of hatred for him, he believes in Reed Richards and he knows that the guy is going to change the world. So he's willing to go along in this mission just to just to to make sure that, that this scientific research can take place. Then when he's proven correct, he gets angry about it. He's not going to be quiet and, and let this stuff go. He's going to tell Reed Richards, he's going to say, hey man, you may be a genius scientist, but look what you did to us. You owe us some explanation, some sort of apology. You should be seeking reconciliation here, and you're not. Yeah. But also, he's the one who ends up with, you know, looking grotesque. People call him a monster. He has to be hidden from, from public view all the time. He can't, he can't go out in public. He can't hold things the way he used to. He can't feel things the way he used to. He, we see he can't even buy clothes because they don't have anything in his size anymore and still what do we see the fantastic four call goes up in the uh in the sky and he responds he says mm-hmm. yeah i i have these powers now i may be a monster i could wallow in that self-pity but i'm gonna go respond to these things i, I ben Grimm is a is the real hero in this book and I, I think Stu storm also a hero and and alex you're right that's uh johnny blaze or uh As those of us who read the book, call him the human torch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I always got
2: him and Ghost Rider mixed up. It's fine. Leave me alone. He's the
0: one. He's the one you want to be as a kid. Uh, I really wanted to be Johnny Storm, but uh, what are you going to do? The uh, I, I do. I think I think Ben Grimm has a rich backstory and it's it's even hinted at in this first issue. Cool character. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we know your favorite characters. We can uh, actually I I like both of your choices. Obviously, I, I agree with Steven and Ben Grimm. Sue Storm is a great character, although I don't think she's she's super fleshed out here. I think she's kind of no, the she's token not
2: female character,
0: which is a bummer. Um, she, she's really, the token I,
2: female character, but I, I feel and, and this is this was, I guess, something I would say was a little refreshing. She wasn't she wasn't like similar to what we read in, I, and I forget what we read from the golden age, uh, where the, where the female character was very specifically like there for sex appeal. I don't feel like they oh, did that with
0: her. Yeah. Yeah. Tigra or whatever that was. Yeah. That was yeah, yeah. 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 In the one, the one variety. yeah.
2: So, so I feel like she had more depth obviously. And while she's not completely fleshed out, I do think that it, it was refreshing that she was a character. She was actually part of the team. And not just a sex symbol. So we kind of talked
0: about. Um, well, I, I don't want to move past that so quickly. The, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think she wasn't treated necessarily as a sexy symbol. She's also right. We, we acknowledge that she, she's on this team to be Reed Richards arm candy. I mean, really yeah even despite himself stanley wrote really interesting characters with with the hot-headed johnny storm who we see also has a deep love for his sister like we see that come through in this book we see sue storm like being a scientist but also like being a woman so not really being acknowledged as a scientist and 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 wanting to to help humanity but also um you know having to kind of give deference to to reed richards but still talking to Ben Grimm through the whole thing. She's like glue that's holding this team together, yeah. um, even despite the fact that she's not really a fleshed out character. Um, and then of course, Ben Grimm, it, written as a complex character as well. So uh, Stanley writes this team of, of really interesting people, and then he goes, and who heads it up? Boring, Mick Boringson of the, the clan Boring. <laughs> like like who, is, who is Reed Richards? He's a stretchy white guy like who cares right. you know it's, who cares he's he's so far he's smart that's all we know about him that's
1: <laughs> well it's just like in speaking about our justice league comparison now it's like i can see it he's just like the batman of the group it's like he's like he's he's there out of necessity it's like he needs to he needs to be the one to like be that guy but uh yeah i don't know i yeah it's all I have on that one. I you can see the comparisons between the Justice League now that I, now that you guys have opened my eyes.
0: So with that, we we know we get these characters, and, and I think the characters are pretty compelling. What do we think about the story here? Does the we, we know this is an introductory int- issue, so it has to teach us about these characters, but do the characters outshine the story to the point where we've read this thing and really what we take away from it is who these characters are? Or do we think the the story has its own, the the plot actually has its own merits?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell what the the breakdown is, like what what is more significant, just because I already knew the characters too. So I took a lot more from the characters away from the story. But I think the plot was, was, you know, I thought it was fine. I I liked that they actually had a, you know, they explained the supervillain's backstory. I mean, albeit it's, you know, four or five panels, it's. It's not the longest backstory but you know at least they tried to give a supervillain a reason for being evil and then you know create a mm-hmm. situation where the fantastic four would have actually naturally interacted with them i mean i think that that was this is like a typical you know you introduce a supervillain give them a little bit of a backstory why they're doing what they do and then they come in contact with the heroes so i thought that that you know simple as it sounds like the groundwork for comics to come whereas like golden age comics are just all over the place like there'd be some you know action some talking some more you know it's just it wasn't as cohesive and so it was refreshing to have like you know you get the superhero's backstory and then you have a supervillain backstory and then the two conflict so i I thought that that was refreshing i I like the story but probably i took more away from the character still
2: that's fair that's fair i am for me I I, I like that it was a change change of pace from what we saw at the Golden Age, right? You know, we're we're seeing a more modern story kind of develop more more character development. We're seeing something that, while it says the end of this, we're 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 seeing kind of the beginning of what could string together for runs, right? As I f- I feel like a lot of comics we see from the Golden Age, it was. You know, each one was a new adventure, but they weren't tied together, whereas I feel like this is going to set up to where it could kind of tie together, where there's going to be more references to things that happen before in later comics. So I I, I appreciate that. And I and I and I respect that. Um, I, I, I love the art. Um, and I and I know I've said that before in other comics, and I haven't said that in a while, but I really love. Love what they've done with the art here, Graham, we we talked about it as an ad nauseum um, with, with what Jack Kirby has done. And it's just for, for the time, the art is incredible. And I think if Jack Kirby had the tools of today, I think he'd be doing better than what the guys of today are doing, you know, and no discredit to anybody of today, I, you know, but But, I, but I think he was so fantastic.
0: I think most comic artists would agree would agree with you. If if Jack Kirby was was out there drawing comics today, especially given how good colorists are not not just you know it, it, and and with colorists even more so than than the pencilers, the artists, the mm-hmm. um, colorists. Now the big difference is that comics are willing to put more colors in their books, um, whereas back then they were like you, you got five colors, sure. that's what you get, and you have no <laughs> right. time to put these books together. So a lot of that was was just logistic constraints for colorists but co- despite logistic constraints if we're comparing the two colorists now do a, a way better job of coloring these books I, I can't imagine a modern colorist paired up with jack kirby and and just watching these books explode to life in your face I, it would be it would be incredible sure so talking about exploding to life in your face <laughs> i think uh, <laughs> before steven gets too uh too horned up um, <laughs>
1: damn it steven i'm sorry that was, you thought your jokes weren't good enough today that was that was a good one
0: we uh so i i just wanted to mention quickly on on stanley's writing uh just a, a, a funny thing um so i had you guys pull up beforehand it's it's page 24 in the book uh it's page 25 in the, in the copy that we're reading. Um but uh I just want you guys to look at this book and like look at the amount of just just the number of words on the page. Mm -hmm. Like like we we just scroll through and you just like take stock. You can see quite a few words on this page. (laughs) A lot of dialogue, a little bit of exposition, a lot of words going on. Certainly the Jack Kirby art is good. I don't think it's 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 this is the best page of this book, but we got good art here kind of a cool monster thing but the words on this page are specifically what I wanted to point out I went through this there are two ellipses on this page there are I think it was my count was seven commas and there are 22 exclamation points <laughs> I did notice the- what's your guess about how many what's your guess about how many periods there are on this page a page full of exposition zero that should just be sentences There are no periods on this entire page. I would bet you can't find a period in this whole book. I didn't look through, but I bet you can't find a period in the whole book. This is all exclamation points. Jack Kirby was like, what what subtle ways can we imply motion in our drawing? And and Stan Lee was like, I know how to add excitement. Everything gets an exclamation point.
1: (laughs) What you just pointed out is probably my biggest complaint about Golden and Silver Age comics is how insanely wordy they are. I mean, like, I'm not trying to complain about reading. Reading's good. You should do it. But, you know, that's what books are for. It's just, like, you have art, and the art is, you know, imparting action. And then here he's like, let's also explain what's going on. That, that's how it is in all the comics. That's how it's going to be in the one we're going to read for next week. It's just, like, I don't understand why they didn't trust the reader to, like, pick up on some, like, action. Like, you know, something just don't need explanation. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Well, especially we, we look at that bottom left left panel. It's back and forth, buzzing around the monster's head like a hornet. Mm-hmm. We can see that's what he's doing. It's he's drawn doing yeah. that.
1: Right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's... Lots of exclamation points <laughs> yeah. is my point. <laughs> so you know. You have...
2: Well, he he was writing an email, right? He, he he was like those people when you write an email in the office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You want to show that you're happy and full of joy, but you also want to show that you're serious when you need to be. But you don't want to come off too serious. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah. He was writing an email.
0: I would request Alex's comments be uh, stricken from the record as I relate to them too heavily.
2: <laughs> <So>. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Very you much it same. Too
0: that's right. It's too real, This man. is too
2: close to home, man. Hey, it's like the comics say, any similarities to real life persons or people is purely coincidental. So,
0: <laughs> purely coincidental. Um, I, I, we've been talking a long time, guys. So I, I don't I don't know that we have any more to say about this book. I will mention just briefly, uh, Mole Man, kind of a cool villain. Stephen mentioned him a little bit earlier. We, we get a little bit of backstory on him here. Mole Man is going to come up again in Marvel. Um, so uh, check him out. Kind of a, like a like a weird not that powerful villain but also somehow super powerful Uh, an interesting fella and an interesting guy to introduce in the the very first Fantastic Four book Yeah, Alex who's your favorite mole man
1: oh there's an answer here
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one and it's not the DC one (laughs)
1: I <laughs> was good. Hans Molman's my favorite. That's what
0: I was leading yeah. up to. I was his uh, character from The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> so it tells uh, you how much that. I watch
2: The Simpsons. So
0: yeah, not not enough to know Hans Molman.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, Alex. No
1: more talking for you while Stephen does his bit about what we're talking about next week. Stephen, what are we going to be talking about next? Well, we're continuing our theme on Silver Age in the City. And so our book next week is The Brave and the Bold, number 25, written by Bob Kaniger, art by Ross Andrew, and colors by Mark Esposito. And uh, Three Ways of Doom, featuring the first appearance of Suicide Squad when a mysterious wave emitting an ungodly amount of heat heads toward the shore. The military is all out of options, so they decide to bring in a new team to handle the situation. The Suicide Squad. Now, I had to say that um, emphasis because there was exclamation points on every <laughs> sentence, and that was pulled right from DC. So comic publishers <laughs> love their exclamation points.
0: They love exclamation points. So what I heard, I, I when I saw all the exclamation points, I looked it up, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the one explanation I got was that The printing was so bad uh, back in those days that they were afraid uh, the machine like wouldn't either wouldn't type periods um, or would would smudge them and they would look like something else. And so they put exclamation points because the the printing was a little bit better at that. And so it would be at least some punctuation um, that you could see. I don't know how true it is, but uh, that's the explanation I saw.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. It's. I'm gonna start looking at exclamation point in modern comics too, see if they uh, see if they're still using them now that printing's gotten a little bit better.
2: Yeah, <laughs> something tells me they don't, but that's a it's a good thing to
1: look for and kind of uh, think about. Yeah, something to take with you, <laughs> A little nugget for this this week's what? issue.
0: Well, exi- excited to read about some uh, some Suicide Squad and kind of intrigued as to how it'll fit into the the Comics Code Authority. That's so uh, we'll be yeah. excited to. <laughs>
1: that was my first thought. I was like, I don't even know how they got away with the title, but
0: <laughs> so it'll be fun to check that out. Um, come and join us next week as as we talk about the Suicide Squad. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our uh, our episode this week. If you want even if you don't want it's it's compulsory now you must check us out on instagram at make My paperback on twitter at make My paperback check out alex on twitter at a sheer 90 uh or me on twitter at graham underscore giles you can check out steven and his latest modeling gig the um i, I don't know steven what, what did you call your latest modeling gig
1: <laughs> accounting nerds weekly
0: that's right. So Stephen appears some in accounting pictures
1: of me at my computer with some excel sheets and an abacus. That's
0: right. He's got an abacus. He's got some accounting uh <laughs> got some spreadsheets going um and uh if you subscribe he's gonna spread to his your Patreon sheet. He's not he's not going to spread your sheets. He's not like that.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't pay for the high tier on the Patreon, did you?
0: If you pay for the high tier on the Patreon, Stephen gets really intimate with an adding machine. Uh, speaking of adding machines, <laughs> speaking of adding machines, we hope that you add our podcast to your subscribed list on your podcast player of choice. And we hope that you go out into the world and form a team of superheroes we hope that you steal a rocket ship and avoid those harmful cosmic rays we hope that if you're ben Grimm, you come and talk to us because you seem like a cool dude also i am moving next week and i could use some help lifting the couch uh we hope that you i don't know you and your buddy go out start writing comics why don't you write why don't you draw get really good at it eventually become the president of marvel it's all good things we hope you go to your local comic shop we hope you approach the counter and tell the person at the counter make mine paperback we'll see you next week